Well, hello, and welcome to the first episode of T-Druff, the Film Buff Podcast. Um, this will be a Game of Thrones review for Season 8, Episode 1, aptly titled Winterfell. For some reason, they didn't release the uh, episode title beforehand, but now we have found out via HBO that it is titled Winterfell, and that does make sense because it, you know, starting out here, we do uh, begin with a major callback to the first episode with a, a young kid running around watching as all the the, the army and, and uh, you know you have the unsullied there the Dothraki and eventually you see Danny and John arriving as the, the young boys running around kind of just trying to trying to see through the crowd much like Arya and, and even Bran to an extent in the first episode um, just trying to, to make their way through and see the, the awe that is the king and his army and the entire royal family, essentially. But in, in this episode, it's Danny and John, and that kind of brings a, a different element to, to Winterfell, as you can see by the people's faces as they walk through, that they're, just, they're not too happy with uh, with what they see and what the, the king of the north, as they crown John, um, has decided to do with his uh, power, essentially. So... Starting from there, it it, um, it really comes down to John introducing Danny, Daenerys Targaryen, to his sisters. Uh, first, of course, comes Sansa, and uh, you know a, a lot of speculation before the season came out that uh, there kind of was going to be a contentious relationship between the two. And, and naturally, with the personalities both of them have being very stubborn, um, there, there, there will be something between them. And, and, and as you can see, you know Sansa says. Winterfell is yours, your grace, with that, that smirk she's got on her face. And, and who, who does that remind me of? Cersei. Now, of course, completely different personality than Cersei to an extent. But but even in season seven, she says, you know, I admired Cersei. I, I, I really took a lot from her. And you could definitely see that in this first episode. She's very protective of her family. And that's really Cersei's biggest characteristic isn't it i mean ultimately it comes down to protecting her family the the, the love and, uh really the, the the health of her family is, is the number one concern of course with cersei and and that's kind of what sansa's telling john throughout this episode like you know well and even Arya says it too for, don't forget you know don't forget that don't forget you're part of the stark family of course as we'll get to a little bit later that's a kind of complicated situation at this point but um you know, as far as moving past Danny and Sansa, um, really there is tons of reunions in this episode, and either well, not just meeting for the first time, but really, I mean, long-awaited reunions. I mean, just running down a list here in no particular order, you have Tyrion and Sansa. It's been since what season four, episode two, when Joffrey died the last the last time that they had uh, seen each other. You have Tyrion and Sansa. You you then go to Jorah and Sam. Who haven't seen each other since um as my dog jumps on my couch here uh you haven't seen jorah and sam together since sam uh, basically saved him from the grayscale last season and that was you know an interesting reunion to say the least as we'll get to i'm sure later but uh and then you have of course the fan favorite grouping of Arya and john Arya and gendry Arya and the hound theon and yara sam and john John and Bran, and finally Jamie and Bran. 
Wow. Okay. So going down the list here, Tyrion and Sansa, um, this is actually one of my favorite scenes. And and uh, it kind of brings back one of the things I was saying earlier about season seven, Sansa, and how uh, you're really starting to find out how smart Sansa is. And I, I love the scene between Tyrion and John last season when um, they're talking about Sansa and how she is now. And, and uh, Tyrion says, you know, she's smarter than she lets on, you know, and, and John goes, she's starting to let on. Well, um, oh God, it is. I mean, it's amazing to see where both those characters have gone, both Sansa and Tyrion. And that's mostly because, uh, you know, as, as as we've seen in the first, what, four or five seasons, Tyrion is probably one of the smartest men in the, in the whole universe. And, and whether that's the, the Battle of Blackwater that he helped uh, win, I mean, essentially it comes down to the Tyrell family winning that for them. But uh, with Wildfire, that... that completely save their asses back then so uh but but it's funny how the, the tables have turned because sansa in the first couple of season is, is uh she's power hungry all she really wants is the throne and she just doesn't have a, a a good viewpoint of the whole she just she's very immature and she doesn't um she doesn't know really how to handle everything and and then we come to Tyrion nowadays and it's it's and like I said the tables have completely turned because you, you look at Sansa saying you really trusted Cersei to to send her entire army up here which as they said throughout the show's history that the Lannister armies never made their way up north it's just not something that they've ever done and and Tyrion believing them is that's kind of dumb on his part as Sansa uh, was telling him and heck, man that just that solidified if you if you had questions about Sansa the last couple seasons, she's been a completely different character. And I really, really have enjoyed where Sophie Turner's taken that character. But it is unfortunate, I will say, where they've kind of put Tyrion in a position where he's just kind of failing every single time he brings, uh, you know, a plan. And you see him in front of the entire North saying, I promise you, my sister is sending her army up here. Like, oh, man, I just... Man, he's been such a fan favorite character, and, and to see where his where the direction has gone with him, it's it's just unfortunate. And uh, I know I've seen a lot of people online think that that Tyrion, just the way they're structuring him in this episode, it's almost inevitable that he's going to die this season. Man, it would be unfortunate if if he did pass on, but um, you know, you never know. You just never know with George R. R. Martin and David and Dan at the helm. So. All right, moving to Jorah and Sam, uh, that scene, that scene, wow. I mean, you, you, us as the audience, we knew what direction that scene was going to go in. But when, when Jorah and Danny walk down there to, to see Sam, that they completely see that situation differently. And, and I don't even think Jorah says a, a word in that scene. But as, as Danny's congratulating Sam and thanking him on saving Jorah, you know, eventually it comes to pass that Danny burned Sam's brother and father alive. Oh man, um, and, and I've been hard on on John Bradley throughout the entire show's run. Just and it's probably not really his fault, but the writing for Sam it's it's not great. His storylines have never been that interesting. I've never been a huge fan of him and Gilly and Little Sam and and just all the time that's seemingly wasted in season seven and in season six with them. Anyway. Um, 
man, oh man, does John Bradley do a great job in that scene, though. Just taking the news and barely saying a single word. And you could really see the difference um, between when he takes the news of his father dying. And he's like, well, at least I can go home now and see my brother. And then it comes to pass that, oh, yeah, she actually burned your brother alive, too. Oh, boy. Oh, man. I mean, I, you just feel for him in that scene. And, and and then, you know, when he goes to see Sam or uh, when Sam goes to see John in, in the crypts, that scene really makes sense. And, I, you know, I, I'm sure a lot of people were wondering, as was I, like, how are they going to break the news to John um, that that he's Danny's uh, nephew? And it's like, well, does Bran tell him? But Bran is there's nothing to his emotion. He doesn't have anything. It's really to offer it's just he's going to tell you bluntly and it's the decision to make it sam is it works perfectly actually because then you get uh, a different side to uh the, the john and danny conflict as sam says you know you're the rightful heir you are aegon targaryen the sixth you're Rhaegar targaryen and, and lyanna stark's son and, and you you're the one you're the king of, of not just the north but the entire seven kingdoms king of the annals you know whatever you want to say it and and i love that they stick on kit harrington's face uh when when sam is telling him this and and, and much like john bradley's performance in the scene before there's just there's no words it's just the facial expression it's 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 like casey affleck in manchester by the sea there's you, you see so much emotion you go through an entire arc of a, of a movie essentially just by looking at their face and even if they don't say anything you know exactly what's going through his mind or maybe you don't i mean maybe i mean what is he thinking i just slept with my aunt or is he thinking do i actually go through with this do i do i bring this up to her i have a feeling that he's not going to even bring this up to danny for at least two or three episodes i i mean it just he's the type of guy and he says it the same i i don't i don't want it i've never wanted to, to be king and oh man it's it, it just what makes it it's what makes this this show and, and the writing of, of george R. R. martin throughout the books just so so impressive that they can bring this news to you and, and you could feel so many different emotions and 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 not be spoon-fed what to feel you just you know what to feel based on just looking at their their facial reactions but uh moving on aria and John, it's one of my favorite scenes of the entire episode because, you know, you you, you look back at Arya throughout the, the the seventh season so far, and this is the eighth season, and, and her connection to John has always been, even though they've only had a couple scenes together in the first couple episodes, that was that's that, that's the relationship that bolsters the Stark family. It feels like it's just Arya and John because she was the only sibling to really accept John into the family. I mean, I guess you could say Bran as well, but Sansa and Rickon and and rob to an extent i guess but aria and john had that special connection and i love i love their little remarks to each other it's uh you know how did you sneak up on me well how did you survive a, a, a stab wound to the heart and it's like oh well i i, I didn't I, I i died um and then i love the callback to in season uh, one episode two i believe not episode one i think it's episode two when john eventually gives Arya needle gives her the sword that that he had forged for her um and the callback in this episode when when john pulls out his sword his long claw and he's like are you are you jealous and he places it in her hands the exact same way that Arya 
had the sword placed in her hands by John in the in the first step or the second episode of season one. I just I really do think that that's it's just a it's a small callback. You won't notice it if you're not looking, but since I've recently rewatched the show, it's just something. It's it's an easy. Uh, easy thing to point out so that that scene is great and and, and that's where you also get Arya telling john like don't forget you're you're part of the stark family and oh yikes well is he is he kind of i guess he's a cousin oh man anyway um let's move on to a couple other Arya reunions because they happen in the same scene and that's Arya and gendry and Arya and the hound and i actually once again, I, I don't want to sound like a broken record, but I love these scenes too because they stick with what those characters are. You have, you know, Arya and the Hound, and I know that some people online and and were kind of hoping for more of a a touching uh, bond between Han, Hound and and Arya, like a, a touching reunion where you know maybe he would give her a hug or um, just maybe not calling her a bitch or whatever he called her. Um, you know, that's, but, but that's not, that's not who the hound is. Even after he came back to life for say, whatever you want to say, it, it's not who he is. He, he's gonna, he's gonna call it like it is. And he, I love that he says, you know, and, and that's why you're alive. You know, that's why you survived all this time, man. I can't, I, I really hope we get more scenes between them this season. I just, I love their dynamic throughout season midway through season three and, and throughout season four, all the way up until the fight with Bran of Tarth. Um, just love them. And uh, Arya and Gendry, uh, not as memorable as of a reunion, I, I would say. I mean, she does kind of ask him uh, eventually to create a weapon, which I would assume has to do with um, uh, the, the Valerian steel weapon. She had the, the knife that she has from Littlefinger, um, and she may want to somehow forge that into a spear or a different sort of dagger. I'm not sure how that she's going to do it, but. There's going to be something something going on there. What? Why does she want that? Does she want to kill the Night King with that? Does she even really concern herself with the Night King? Or is she still focused on her list? Is that for Cersei? I don't know. But um, it, seemed, it, was, it, was, it was nice because it, when you look back at, uh, I think it's season two or season three, whenever Gendry says to Arya, it's, no, you, know, you would be my lady. And then he actually calls her my lady in this episode. So. Excuse me. Uh, I, I really liked that reunion as well. Uh, moving on to something I didn't think was going to happen in this episode. I kind of figured that they were going to wait um, to handle this, but I'm glad they didn't uh, handle this a, a couple episodes down. But Theon and, and Yara. Wow. Uh, one episode and that's already resolved, huh? Um, well, I guess resolved to a certain extent. I'm sure Yaron will have his confrontation with Theon or Yara and or Yara. Uh, at some point down the line in this season, but it seemed very easy to th for Theon to climb aboard the ship, shoot a couple guys with an arrow, and and save Yara. So that, that was nice to see because we we don't really need um, we don't we don't really need that that storyline to go on. That's like the one outside thread um, to the whole sh season. It's like you got stuff in King's Landing, you got stuff in Winterfell, and then you got the Theon stuff. Uh, but I'm glad I'm glad to see that they they saved her and, and she uh, is going back to the Iron Islands and he is presumably going to Winterfell to fight alongside the Starks and everybody else who's there. Um, it makes perfect sense and it actually brings up something that I had not thought of before this this season rolled around and in, in that you look back at what Euron says in season seven, it's like, I want to go back to the Iron Islands and live out the, the living versus the dead war and because the, the, the dead can't cross the sea and 
Um, and that's what that's what Yara says. She she says, "I'm going to go back to the Iron Islands. That everybody's going to need somewhere to go when they when they don't when the battle or you know when when the Night King comes." And and that makes perfect sense because you look at the way the season's structured, and, and this hasn't not been confirmed or anything, but. Winterfell, or the Battle of Winterfell, I should say, is presumably episode three, kind of, by looking at the trailers, that's kind of what we're going to get. Um, and, and let's say they lose that battle, which they absolutely will lose that battle, or at least they'll retreat. They're going to need somewhere to go, because it's what, if they're going to go to King's Landing? No, Cersei's not going to welcome them there, so they're going to have somewhere to go while they kind of gather themselves and, and restructure their army for the, the next... Uh, battle, which I would assume is episode five. I don't know how they're going to do it though, because is Cersei the the ultimate big bad, or is it going to come down to Night King? Maybe Night King kills Cersei. No, that's not going to happen. We know Jamie's going to eventually kill Cersei. Um, but but I, I love that little tidbit because that's not something I even thought of before this season. So um, we've already kind of talked about Sam and John's reunion. Um, let's talk about John and Bran. That's a quick one, but but he does have. Um, couple scenes with Bran or at least that hug and um, it's a nice one but it's, it's kind of like when Sansa saw Bran in season 7 at first it's like you know it, it's emotional on the Sansa and, and John's side there but Bran's not really going to give you anything other than the, the absolute truth right away and, and, and going back to that first scene with Danny and Sansa and, and Bran and John there I love that he just he goes we have no time for this the Night King has one of your dragons he's one of theirs now and, and we have to plan for this like that that's brilliant I, even though i the character is so so creepy and strange now i love what isaac hempstead wright is, is doing with brand it's just he's always right there whenever scenes happening in in the, the battlegrounds at winterfell it's just something somebody talks and then all of a sudden the camera pans over and oh there's there's brand staring you down for you know whatever the heck reason oh my gosh it's 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 brilliant it's it's actually kind of funny too which brings up how surprisingly funny this episode was um i mean you have the the the, the uh the ball and and the balls and and dwarf jokes you had there with uh, Tyrion and and varus in the beginning in the carriage yeah, that was funny um and then you have you have that little brand moment there you have um as we'll get to in a little bit after the dragons the dragon riding and the dragon staring down john after he's kissing danny i think that's brilliant brilliant comedic timing it's not something you feel like we've really seen um at all the last couple seasons it's been pretty dark since like season five there hasn't been much comedy other than the occasional Tyrion joke but um but a lot of like uncomfortable humor as well i mean you, you kind of uh, in the, the scene between daenerys and uh samwell uh down there uh, as well with jorah it's you kind of uncomfortable laughing at it at how uh, horrible Sam must be feeling and, and how awkward it is in that room. I mean, you just don't really have um, that that type of dynamics at, at all in the show anymore. But I, I, I really love seeing that uh, this week. Um, where were we? We were uh, talking about John and Brand. Oh, that's right. Okay, so we're going to go back to the, the dragon riding scene, which is probably the only scene of this episode that just felt off i don't know it maybe it's because they had a lot of cgi in that scene and inevitably when there's a lot of cgi in, in tv show you kind of um, eventually see that the flaws that you have there but uh just a little off that scene i, I liked it because you, you do finally get to see john riding a dragon although i 
could have sworn that was going to happen way later in the season, but it's nice to see it happen now. But I heard David and Dan after the episode talking about it, and it does make sense that they wanted to, you know, reestablish the, the romance between John and, and Danny, especially since, you know, for all intents and purposes, it's been two years since this show um, has, has been on the air, essentially. So, um, you know, that was nice to reestablish that, and it, it is a nice romance putting aside, uh, you know, all the moral or the questionable morals within within that relationship but um it, it was a nice scene especially capped off by drogon staring down john that was that was fantastic oh it's another line that john said that i thought was pretty funny you you've ruined horses for me now makes perfect sense i mean why would you ride a horse if you'd ride a dragon right um but that does actually bring up a, a small quick thing i'll uh, i'll touch on is is that you know i threw throughout the the history of the the show or maybe they haven't really touched on the show i know they've touched on in the books which i haven't read but just by hearing other people talk about it, is that there is this um ancient belief that you really can you can only drive or i'm sorry you can only ride one dragon in your lifetime and now that uh john has is been on Drogon, does that completely, or I'm sorry, not Drogon, uh, Rhaegal, uh, does that completely eliminate him from riding Drogon at any point in time? If there's that, um, you know, ancient belief that you're only allowed to, to ride one dragon, but moving along, I don't want to spend too much time on that, but I, I do love it. This is another thing I actually heard about, uh, uh recently. And I know there's the, the, there's the common belief that there's the three heads of the dragon and it's John, Danny, and somehow Tyrion, um, I don't think Tyrion's a, a Targaryen or anything like that, like some people believe. But, um, but I love that the three heads of the dragon is fire with Danny, ice with, or I'm sorry, ice with uh, the Night King and Viserion, and then you have ice and fire with Jon. So it really is a song of ice and fire. I think it's, just, it's brilliant. It's small. I mean, a lot of people won't care about that, but I just, I really do think that that's. It's just it's it's fascinating is what it is the mind of drawer martin man it doesn't everybody wish he can get inside that mind um anyway uh moving on we'll touch on that last reunion right at the end here but uh i wanted to briefly take a look at the, the title sequence and and oh man is it isn't it great to see the title sequence could be completely different this year especially since you know everywhere's covered with snow it just it's so gorgeous and i love all the detail of them going through the crypts of winterfell and all the details within there and then you have the details within king's landing as you go down to the red keep and see uh see the throne room and and then even going down to the uh the dungeons and you see the the uh, the dragon arrow killing thing whatever you want to call it with Balon the the dread or Balor the whatever his name is the, the, the old dragon I can't remember that that dragon name but um, oh man it's it's really just it, title sequence is gorgeous it's, oh it's just such a joy to, to to watch really and I'm I'm glad that they changed it up for once even though it's it's always nice to look at but the extra details is something something special um moving on oh you know something else i wanted to touch on is the stuff with Bronn this season and i did hear jerome flynn that say that people are going to be kind of conflicted as to how they feel um with what Bronn's going to do this season and how cersei um kind of proposes him an offer like hey let me give you this this arrow here the bow and arrow and, and you know if you ever see them you're gonna have to kill Tyrion and jamie um oh it's it's 
that's tough to watch because Bron, it, it completely makes sense for the character because Bron has always been about himself and always been about money. So it wouldn't make sense for him to ride north with Jamie to Winterfell. And I kind of think that's why Jamie never really asked him because he's not going to say yes. He's just, he's not going to. He's always been about getting that big castle and all about himself and and getting the most money and even in this dire times where that really doesn't matter anymore but um but but i thought that was a, that was an interesting scene i'm not sure how i feel about it yet especially because bron is one of the best characters on the show one of the best written characters but as long as i stay within uh you know what he would be saying and how he would answer and how he would respond to these proposals from cersei and, and kyburn brings it to him um it it'll make sense i think um but Moving on, uh, I do want to finally touch on the Bran and Jamie reunion at the very end of the episode. Oh, I love it! Just it felt like that line from and it's a completely different story, but it felt like the line from Silence of the Lambs when uh, Hannibal Lecter says, "I'm having a dinner, or I'm having a friend over for dinner, or I'm having a friend for dinner." I should say that I don't want to botch that line, but yeah, it's it's brilliant. That that when Sam asked Bran, like, what are you doing out here? He's like, I'm waiting for an old friend. And you're like, at first, you're like, I don't, I don't know. What does he mean by that? Because who else could be coming? Then you forget. Well, it's Nicola Costarwaldo has not been in this episode yet. Where's Jamie? And then you see somebody riding on the horse with the hood. And you're like, oh, shoot. That's the friend he was talking about. Oh, man. Wow. So since the first episode of the first season, we have not gotten a scene with them yet and oh man wow that was I mean, it was creepy i love the face that nicola castorwaldo gives when he kind of realizes who that is over there in the, in the wheelchair oh man what a way to end the episode too i mean it just it works perfectly it sets up next week when you see in the trailer that they're going to kind of be questioning jamie um with within the the winterfell there and then oh, i can't wait to see the jamie and Danny arc or really just dynamic because he killed her father. I can't wait to see scenes with Jamie and John. I mean, you only got the one scene in episode two when he's telling him kind of what the Night's Watch really is and how it's not this some glorious full of noble warriors place. It's kind of full of scum and, and the people uh, kind of on their last legs fighting for the Night's Watch. But anyway, I cannot wait. I cannot wait for next week's episode. And I know that this was kind of a slower week um, in terms of material. There wasn't much action. You had the, the dragon riding. Uh, but it, it needed to be. There needed to be the, the small moments where they're just talking to each other. Everybody's um, having their reunions. There's some people meeting for the first time. I, that's what it needed to be. And, and, and I'm glad that they, they didn't feel the need to do too much with this first episode. It just... It, it worked. It, it that's that's really all you could say. It worked. Um, I think that that's probably it. I, I don't know that there's anything else really as of now. I mean, I didn't really touch too much on Cersei, but the Cersei and Euron stuff. It, it's funny how weird those scenes feel because it's so separate from everything else. And Cersei's really the only main character left over there because Euron's only been in it for the last couple seasons. Um, I mean, it was entertaining for sure, but it's. It, very separate so there's only so much you can really touch upon there before everybody eventually eventually goes south whether that be the night king first or john and danny and the crew so um i will go ahead and sign off for now this will be the 
the first episode of the T Draft the Film Buff podcast. It's really not all going to be reviews or anything like that, but the first episode I just felt it was, it was kind of perfect. It, it worked that it was the Game of Thrones premiere week. Wow, it's finally here. It's finally back. This month of April, man, it's it's something. You got all the stuff with Star Wars Celebration that I did just attend, all the reveals, the trailers, Mandalorian episode nine then you have avengers endgame at the end of the month oh my god that that series is coming to an end and game of thrones will be uh, will be over by mid-may wow what a time to be alive right well until next time that's all i got thanks